You are listening to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you're on this disciple's journey with me as we're reading through the book of Isaiah. This week, we're reading Isaiah 1 through 49, looking at not every chapter and verse, but an overall understanding of Christ through this book. And we find a very important passage today that speaks about Christ. It is one passage that has been quoted so many times, especially around Christmas, uh, and yet misunderstood by many. And sometimes when it's not explained adequately or or accurately, uh, anytime skeptics point to this passage, a lot of Christians don't know what to do with it and actually lose faith in God because of a lack of understanding of the text. So you may already know where we're going, but if not, Isaiah chapter 7 is where we're going to be. Isaiah chapter 7, and we want to look at today apologetics. How can we defend our faith in Christ based on this text? How can we do apologetics. So look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse uh, 14. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Now, immediately uh, as I began reading that, you probably started quoting that. Uh, the Lord himself will give you a son, and his name will be called Emmanuel, because he will be born of a, and what's the word? Virgin. Now, a lot of times we jump immediately to Matthew chapter 1, and we'll do that uh, towards the end, and we say that is Jesus. And I would agree, yes, absolutely, the ultimate fulfillment of that passage, Jesus Christ. However, you've got to understand the context, because what takes place many times is skeptics will come and point out the historical aspect of this passage, especially the Hebrew word uh, as, as we look at uh, in, in this passage, does it really mean virgin? And many skeptics will say it doesn't. And Christians don't know what to do with a text like this. So I simply want to take some time, give you a better understanding, give you the context, and then show you how this does, in fact, point to Jesus. So the first thing we got to do is we've got to see what is the context of this passage. In Isaiah chapter 7, you've got the king, uh, Ahaz, who is king of Judah. And Ahaz is really facing a threat uh, from all sides. Uh, you've got three other leaders that are, are mentioned in Isaiah chapter 7. Uh, you've got uh uh, the Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser III, and he's on the kind of the northern front. Uh, and then you've got Rezin, who is the king of Aram, uh, and and the capital of uh, Aram, the the Aramites is Damascus. And then you've got Pekah, uh, who's mentioned. He's the king of Israel. And uh, throughout Isaiah, you'll see the term Ephraim as speaking of Israel. And so what takes place is Pekah and Rezin, these two kings, join forces, and they're going to uh, to be in uh, battle with Tiglath-Pileser, the Assyrian uh, king. And so in all of this, Ahaz is wondering, what do I do? And in fact, go to uh, verse 10 of chapter 7, Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, 
ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. I want you to grab hold of this. I want you to think about this. God is saying, you can ask me. I will give it to you. And Ahaz replies, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. Many scholars have uh, divided over, is Ahaz being humble in this, saying, I don't want to bother God? Or is Ahaz being prideful in this, saying, I don't need God. I've got it on my own. And, and scholars divide on that. Many, many good, well-meaning scholars uh, that, that I respect uh, just uh, jump to different conclusions. And, uh, and, and ultimately, uh, the, the point is that Ahaz was disobeying God in this. Whether he was being humble or whether he's being prideful, he didn't listen to God. And so when Ahaz replies this, Israel says, uh, or uh, sorry, Isaiah says to Ahaz, Isaiah said, listen, house of David, or this is Judah, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Meaning, stop with your own, whether false humility or your pride, listen to God. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive have a son and name him Emmanuel. And by the time he learns to reject what is bad and choose what is good, he will be eating curds and honey. For before the boy knows to reject what is bad and choose what is good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. The Lord will bring on you, your people and your father's house, such a time as has never been since Ephraim separated from Judah. So what's going on? Well, God is giving a very specific timeline uh, according to the birth of a particular boy. And he's saying by the time he is able to choose between right and wrong, which according to Jewish understanding was anywhere from between 10 and 15 years of age, usually said about at 12. Uh, so within about a 12-year period, uh, there is going to be a massive overthrow of other kings, Rezin and Pekah and Ephraim uh, uh, or Israel is going to uh, suffer uh, during this time. Now, um, so this is about early seven seven thirties or so, uh, and he's saying within this generation, Israel is going to be overthrown. Well, we know that in seven twenty two B.C., within about ten years. Uh, that Assyria overthrows Israel and Israel goes into captivity. Judah, of, of which Ahaz is ruler over, is still going to be uh, to still going to be uh, in um, uh, safe at this point. But we know that ultimately, within 150 years, uh, by 605 BC, uh, the Nebuchadnezzar is going to come in with Babylon, and then by 587 BC, ultimately. Uh, Jerusalem will be overthrown and the deportation to Babylon will be in full effect and Judah, Judah will fall. Why is this important? Because God is keeping his word. God is keeping his promises. And Isaiah chapter 7 has an immediate context and fulfillment within that time period. That's what I need you to understand. Isaiah 7 verse 14 is is not just a Christmas verse. Isaiah 7, 14 is a captivity verse. It reminds them that Israel was going to be overthrown and also reminds them that God keeps his word and that He, if he fulfilled that, then he would also fulfill the greater fulfillment. Because in this passage, uh, 
when it says see the virgin, that word traditionally virgin uh, was translated young woman of marriageable age. Uh, it does have the implication of virginity, but it could just mean a woman who uh, uh, who Isaiah would marry. Uh, and if so, then that birth uh, is mentioned in chapter 8. Listen, listen to chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Take a large piece of parchment and write on it with an ordinary pen. Maher Shalal Hashbaz. I mentioned this in our first episode this week. I have appointed trustworthy witnesses, the priest Uriah and Zechariah, son of Zerubbakiah. I was then intimate with the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said to me, Name him Maher Shalal Hashbaz, for before the boy knows how to call father or mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoils of Samaria will be carried off to the king of Assyria. God is there fulfilling his message. And we we don't understand this a lot of times because we immediately jump to what we've been told all the time, that this is just about Jesus. Well, it ultimately points to Jesus. Don't misunderstand me. We see that, and, I, and I'll get to that. But but see the historical context, because when a skeptic comes to you, you need to know the context to defend your faith in God's Word. And so, so that could be the very initial context. But ultimately... The more exalted fulfillment is in Matthew 1.23. And in Matthew 1.23, we see uh, where uh, uh, Matthew writes, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us concerning Jesus Christ. And this is where many skeptics will say, They'll come to Christians and say, well, the original Hebrew word for virgin there actually meant a woman of marriageable age. And they're exactly right. And some scholars will say, therefore, the idea that Jesus was born of a virgin has nothing to do with this passage. But then they're wrong because they take a step too far. Because what's interesting is, though the Hebrew word virgin can mean a young woman of marriageable age, the in the Septuagint, the Greek word that's found is parthenos, and it means virgin. It mean, it does not mean just a young woman. It means virgin, and God uses that word in Matthew chapter 1, 23 to show that Jesus would be born of a virgin, and we can stake our lives on that fact that our Savior Jesus Christ, holy, 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 uh, was born of a virgin. Why does this matter? Because when you understand the historical context, you are better suited and equipped to defend the Bible uh, or defend your faith in the Bible. The Bible is good enough uh, and Jesus is good enough. He doesn't need your defense, but our faith is to be defended and you need to be a student of the word. So it does take a little bit of work, but I want to encourage you. That's why I'm walking this with you each and every day. Uh, the Word of God is precious and a treasure and good and right. No error to it at all. And it will stand the test of time. It will not return void. So we can trust the Word. We can trust Scripture is good enough. As we close out today in celebration of Christ, I want to take you then to Isaiah chapter 9 and remind you 
that Isaiah 7, the promises of a Savior, is not the only promise given to us. But Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 tells us that for a, or verse 6 tells us, for a child will be born. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the dominion will be vast, and his prosperity will never end. And he will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. If we can trust Isaiah 7, we can trust Isaiah 9 and know that Jesus reigns forever. So I want to focus on our ministry moment today. Uh, in in light of that truth that Jesus reigns, uh, I'm so excited to tell you that uh, uh, our ministry moment is uh, First Baptist Church of Bath, Maine. And we are here in Maine right now celebrating that our Savior Jesus Christ is alive and well and reigning. And even in this population of a uh, of, of a town where there are so very little ch- few churches, uh, very few churches, I, I, I see the hope of the gospel in this place. And we have had a great time so far, and we look forward to what God is going to do. Uh, I'm just thankful to be back here. I, I got to be here in 2015, and now eight years later, they've got a, a new pastor. They've got um, faithful members who have been here for many, many years, uh, and they are renewed and uh, revived to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world around them. I love Maine. I love Bath, Maine. I'm so thrilled that we've got uh, ultimately 19 of our uh, of of our members. Uh, we thought they were going to be 21 here, but God had other plans. And yet we see God doing a mighty work. And I'm, uh, again, just thrilled. Be praying for First Baptist Church of Bath. And we are actually looking at uh, doing even more work with them and through them in the coming years. Uh, So as we close out, again, be encouraged that Jesus Christ is on his throne. Born of a virgin, born to die, and he died knowing that he would rise again. And we can have faith and trust that he is our risen Savior today returning to us one day. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the ground.